2020 changed the trajectory of my life forever. I was 24, succeeding in a job that offered huge financial reward, yet I was unhappy and unfulfilled. My chronic illness, cystic fibrosis, had caused my lungs to bleed and it left me in a hospital bed. Now I left that job and created this podcast and I left that hospital bed to run marathons and prove that we aren't defined by our circumstances, but rather how we respond to them. On this show, we discuss the adversity that my guests and I face and how we overcome that adversity. This is a lot to talk about. To be a good man is not a reflection of your actions on your best days. But to be a good man is a reflection of how you show up in the world when the world isn't working in your favour. How true your values hold when the world isn't holding the door for you. It's one thing to know who you want to be, but it's another thing to be honest with who you are. If you don't like who you are, change how you show up in the world. The disconnect between your values and action is most certainly a reason to feel disconnected with your true self. G'day, g'day. Welcome back to another episode of the podcast, particularly an episode of Three Mates, where yours truly, the host of the show, or the consistent host of the show, the captain of the ship, the man in charge, Bradley J. Drybra, or as I'd hope you'd call me, Brad, is here with two of my best mates to discuss um, many different topics, but particularly today to discuss values and actions. I'm here with, to the right of me, um, my good friend, the man we call Joey the Zoolander Plum, and to the far right, or maybe to your left, um, Ty Fune Gune Grieve. How are we, boys? Pleasure to be here. How are we? Well, considering I'm sitting in the middle, <laughs> the power's gone to my head. <laughs> this is my podcast. G'day, g'day, guys. Welcome to Three Mates. <laughs> I'm doing good. Um, why am I in the middle? How do I end up here? Let me tell you, the power may have gone to your head, but I'll tell you what you'll be feeling later, the pain in your neck, brother, because that middle <laughs> seat of looking left to right, I've got a the jacked swivel. up neck at the minute, so I just could not do the swivel today. Uh, yeah, I'll shift up here a little bit. Hey, thanks. Nice. No, nice. doing well, man. Doing really well. Um, it's been, I feel like we say this every time, it's been a little minute since we, we've been in the chair, but yeah, time just moves. We We wanted to be doing these maybe once a month and then got excited and thought maybe twice a month um and yeah it feels like it's been yeah at least a month since we last chatted partly my fault there for pushing the timeline out a little bit that's uh, all right that's man. Fine. couple we'll, days yeah no we'll, we'll get into it but there's um yeah lots to be had oh sorry lots to be spoken about lots to be said lots to be had <laughs> um but yeah stoked to be here well i think today's topic is something that we've been mulling on for a little while now we're mulling on this topic actually before our last step when we went to Brayton and then, or Boyton mm. and, um, you know, things come up that felt super relevant at that time that we address, you know, that identity episode, which seemed to serve a lot of the listeners really well. And we had some great feedback on that as well. And I guess we're recognizing now and very thankful for the fact that uh, a good chunk of the people who listen to these three mates apps are men in that like mid twenties to mid thirties range who, are are starting to get a real grip of who they are, but asking themselves the questions of what do I want and how do I get there? And a big part of who you are and what do you want is understanding firstly your values and then the actions that need to act alongside those values to make sure you're showing up in the world that one day, that way. Like I said in the opening, it's one thing to know who you want to be, it's another thing to be that man. 
And so the idea behind today or the homework, the exercise was to identify each of our five core values, more specifically dive into three of those and attach an action to each one of those. Mm. And so I guess we've all gone through the homework and, and here we are on the couch. Yeah, before we start, um, that piece you read at the start, was that one of your own? Was that something online? Just one, one of my own, yeah. 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 That feels, no, the was, fact that you asked me that question makes me feel really proud. That was a big alley-oop. Yeah. <laughs> no, it, yeah, that wasn't even a layout, but yeah, that was great. Like, I couldn't agree with it anymore. Um, yeah, kudos to you. I'll say quickly, it was inspired by a thought at the beginning of this year whereby I felt really stressed at this particular time and like really stressed, really trying to make things work in, you know, my work, career, life and things just weren't going to plan. It was this one particular day that a couple of people from my family had asked me to do certain things or favours for them, mm. little things, like little things that they would do for me on any given day that you'd do for any mate or any mate would do for you on a given day. But on this particular day, my patience was wearing thin because things weren't going right for me. Mm. And I remember being a little bit pissed off by the fact that I had to partake in these favours. And I pulled myself up and I said, hold on, if family relationships, the people in your life are one of your biggest core values, in fact, I'd see them as my top two, Mm. right? How on earth are you allowing this simple favour for them that's going to make their life so much easier to wear you down to get you frustrated and and bring you to anger Mm. you know it's one thing to to have that value it's another thing to show up in the world that way and I feel like ever since that as a man who prides himself on the love that he gives to his family and people I've been able to pull myself up on the frustration or the anger that comes to play where I'm doing something selfless for my people Mm. because it's a part of the man that I want to be it's an action aligned with that so that's where that piece was inspired from, from just as this topic come up that thought come to the front of mind and that thought was that disconnect right between values and then showing up in the world that way and and so I just felt compelled to write something to start I thought it was maybe a nice way to start off the the pod and set the tone yeah no really good I really enjoyed that and I think um like as we dive into this episode and we kind of start to like you said the disconnect as we start to align with certain values it really helps us guide our behavior or our emotions even because it gives us something to connect to um so you could catch yourself in that moment and go why am i being frustrated because my frustration doesn't serve what is one of my core values which is being there for my family and sometimes being there for my family means i have to do certain things behave a certain way show up in, in a certain way so you can kind of justify it if you have those values like identified mm. so yeah i think for me naturally um in my journey going through the the crisis of identity which we spoke about last time i found like you know all right shit identity crisis but the next step was kind of this like like build a man process like you can be whoever you want to be so start to pick out some exciting part yeah yeah it's like it's like you can be whoever you want to be build a character um identify the values that you want to be and then as we'll discuss how we're going into the world actually living those because we can say we live them and we can say we value them but are we actually and what systems do we have in place that are going to maintain um 
that are going to allow us to maintain those values. So, yeah. For sure. I guess something I'll preface quickly before we dive into it and I'll let one of you two boys start today, but I had a conversation with a mentor of mine recently, Joshy Hammond. And Josh, as he always does so selflessly, leads with asking me a bunch of questions about how I am, where my life's at, what I feel like I need help with, where I'm thriving, where I'm not. He's just he's a great soundboard for anything that's happening in my life. And and Josh shared an analogy with me that made a lot of sense, right? And, and this is it's important to listen to this, I think, if you're maybe questioning whether you need to consider your values or whether you need to understand or define what they are. He said to me, Brad, if I hand you a load of weight, like if I hand you a bunch of bricks or a bunch of books or a bunch of things to hold on to, to hold in your two hands, and all of a sudden you start to feel as though you're unsteady, you're not stable, as though you're shaking, you're about to fall and drop everything or, or drop the load that you're carrying, you might question whether you yourself are shaky, but often it's not that. It's you're sitting on a chair with uneven legs and it's your foundation that's shaky. Mm-hmm. And I think foundation is is a big part of who we are. And I think at our foundation, at the core of who we are, are our values. And so for me, that's a way that I feel as though to be the best man I want to be operating from here on out, you know, understanding and, and being anchored by those values is a really nice way to move through the world. Yeah, definitely. So who would like to definitely. kick it off? Yeah, let's get stuck into it. Well, um, I'm happy to kick it off. Well, as I said in the intro before, this podcast got kicked back about five days because well, the last episode we did was on identity crisis and I pretty much had a crisis the past week. I won't, well, on this, on this podcast we talk about vulnerability and preach it, but at, the, at this stage it's still a bit of an open wound for me, so I'm not happy to flesh out the exact details. But I'll go as far to say that I had to call a self-intervention for myself I'm sitting in this exact couch that I was in with two of my best mates. I just got to a point in my life where I was like, I'm not happy where I am. I keep making the same mistakes again. I want to make some promises out loud to some people that I care about and care about me. And then from here, there's just going to be change. Like, I'm sick of making the same mistakes again. Like, I've been, I wouldn't say blessed, but I've felt enough pain to know that if I keep going down the same path that I'm going down, there's only going to be more pain. So this was a good exercise for me to sit down and do my values to know that like the path I'm going down isn't the path I want to go down. So the values I've written down are, I'd say, more seasonal value, seasonal values in the sense that these are values I want to live by just to get me back onto the path that I know, know that I need to be on or back onto the path that I am. Love that. Back on when we went to the, the imperfects, they were talking about seasons there. And I feel for me... I wouldn't say I'm at rock bottom, but definitely had a crisis point. I want to implement change. So these values I want to live by, they are quite selfish in the sense that they don't serve anyone else really but me. But the point that I'm at in my life, I'm not where I want to be. So how I want to live, I need to get back on the path that I want to live by. Absolutely, so yeah. when I sat down, I wrote down obviously the, the five core values that we all, all uh, agreed to. But then I also wrote down three values I want to move away from. Mm, oh, I like, like this. Like, Curveball. <laughs> yeah. like you've ever played snakes and ladders, like I feel as though like going up and then you hit a snake. These are like my moving away yeah. values. They just drag me back to the same spot. Like I always feel like, always genuinely feel like I'm going forward in life and then I hit a snake and go back to the same point. I'm like, all right, do this again. And then it's, you only hit so many snakes before you're like, fucking, I'm just stuck in a loop. That's what mm. it feels like. Mm. So I wrote down some um, moving away values as well. So my number one value for me at the moment is growth. 
I found that, as I just mentioned before, every time I hit a snake, I feel like I've plateaued in life. And when I'm not growing, I feel frustrated. And when I'm frustrated, nothing really works off the back of that. So for growth, that's emotional growth, mindfulness, business, financial, personal kind of growth is a, a pretty umbrella term. But I feel as if I'm not growing in all areas of my life, then I feel, I don't know, I feel frustrated or stagnant or I don't know, I just feel better when I'm growing just off based off my life up till now. When I have been growing, learning, evolving, that's when I just feel better as a, better as a person. Can I ask a question on that, Finn? So, because for me, I look at you as you, your actual habits and actions in the space of growth inspire me quite a lot. Like, I know you read a lot of books and you listen to a lot of things that feel super beneficial to be listening to. And I feel like you're the kind of guy who invests energy and action into learning and, and developing. What is it that you think moves you away from growth when things aren't going to plan in life? a quote that I wrote down from Stephen Bartlett he's talking about uh, different people in his office and he's like there's this one employee that like had literally read every single book like he's the smartest guy in the office but he was the one person that, that could never change or grow and his quote was there's no self-development without self-awareness you can read as many books as you like but if you can't read yourself you'll never learn a thing mm. that's bars so I think that's for me like I've just I haven't had my level of emotional intelligence or self-awareness isn't as high as other aspects of say maybe my iq like it feels like my whole life my iq has been a lot higher than my eq like my emotional intelligence mm. it feels though like my lack of emotional intelligence is just impeding growth so like would you say that outgrow myself would you say that then over this next season that you're your focus in the umbrella or under the umbrella of, of growth would be more so emotional intelligence, self-awareness. Uh, definitely. That's something that I, I definitely lack. It's um, definitely come to the forefront now. Um, <laughs> speaking of snakes and ladders to go full circle, they're going to just shed, shed my old skin and move on. I like it. I think, um, like, I'm not sure if you're giving yourself enough credit for your self-awareness. Like you say, you're lacking in self-awareness, but to be honest... From, the outs- well, from my perspective, sorry to cut you off, but I just keep making the same mistakes. It's like I'm headbutting a wall, or it feels like sometimes, but from the outside, it might not look like that. Yeah, I, I mean, the behaviour obviously is something that you're, you're identifying, but you have to be self-aware, A, to realise you're doing a bad thing, and then B, to understand why you're doing the bad thing. And the time that it took you and obviously not to disclose anything personal, but the time that it took you between being unhappy with yourself and then reaching out to basically make yourself accountable and seek the support of your friends was pretty minuscule in in the scheme of things. And to me, that takes extreme self-awareness because that as an indicator, um, I think is a good thing to lead, to, to like look into because oftentimes it can take days, months, or we never are self-aware enough to make those, um, I guess, like changes. But it was within hours of you going, hey, enough's enough. Like that to me is actually extremely good self-awareness. Before this crisis, there was many other crises. So it was kind of mm. not a Hail Mary, but I'd been in this position before. I tried a lot of things, nothing had worked. And I was like, all right, what can I 
what can I do that's actually going to put me in a position to make change? And I was like, this scares me. I know I'm in a good place around good mates. This mm. is like something that I want to do that I think will, in, will give me an opportunity to not go down the snake again. Yeah, I think it's... Sorry, go on, Joey. Um, it's interesting. I think we've spoken about it before on this, on this segment um, around the levels of growth. So you've obviously identified here core value in growth um, and self-awareness. But the stages of growth being, you know, unconscious incompetence, you're not aware that you're incompetent in the behavior. And then it moves to conscious incompetence. And then it moves through to conscious competence. And the enlightenment stage, unconscious competence. So where would you identify you're at with? Same at stage two then. Like I know stage one's like you don't know what you don't know. Yep. Stage two is like, I know what I don't know. Yeah. So I know what I need to work on. So it's the same at stage two. Yeah. Okay. I think it's just going to be reps and rest repetition to get into stage three where it's, I'm working on it, but it's a lot of effort still. Mm. Well, I think this, and like we said, without, under, like without disclosing the specifics of what we discussed on Friday night, this is where the, the importance of value plus action comes into play because without the action, the self-awareness means nothing. And, and it's like you've been self-aware to recognise that there's a problem there that needs to be solved, but without... And you, you're specifically aware about the spe specificity of what needs to be solved, but without the action of, like, removing that challenge from your life and, and knowing that you actually have the power to do that, it means that the self-awareness means nothing because it's going to be a problem again down the track. I think I shared with you on Friday night without diving too much into the story because I butcher it every time, but I just heard Tom Hardy talking about this quote one time where um, I believe it was the guy's name was Charles Bronson who was in prison. He was talking to him, studying him for an acting role. And this guy started to share with Tom a story about a young man who, was, who actually died in some really significant floods that they had over there in the UK. And he said, do you hear about that young man who, who died in the floods? those years back and he said yeah I did and he said he had his ankle stuck in the drain and they couldn't bring his ankle out of the drain and the flood waters kept rising and rising and emergency services rocked up and they're trying to pull his ankle free of the drain but eventually the water level just got too high and he died and he's like yeah I remember that story and he said well that wouldn't ha that wouldn't happen to me and he said why do you say that and he said because the minute they got there I would have told them to cut the thing fucking thing off <laughs> And he's like, sometimes you've got to cut a piece of yourself away or a piece of your life away so that you can move forward. Mm. And I think that's that action piece, right? It's like sometimes we don't like what the self-awareness is telling us. And I, I have that in my life too. Like the self-awareness and the understanding can say, hey, this is a problem. Mm. But I kind of like that problem still being there. And I'm, I'm telling myself, maybe I can have a relationship with that yeah. problem still. where It still exists in my life, but... Sometimes it can't exist. Jordan Peterson talks about it. It's like when you shine the light on the darkness, basically meaning when you bring awareness to the unconscious, it's like you're not going to like what you see. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and, that's why, and that's why I push back and I don't think it's so much a self-awareness issue that you need to address because I think you're highly self-aware. Um, and you're now pushing accountability, which is great. So, yeah, I don't know if it's just reframing it from being like, you know, I need to grow and I need to be more emotionally intelligent. I need to be more self-aware. I need to, like, I don't know if we need to add self-awareness in there. 
I think we're all highly self-aware. Um, so the energy can be put towards maybe the Almost intricacies. One of those things you can't be too self-aware, can you? I mean, I'll let you know if I find out. <laughs> <laughs> So it's what, almost like you can't have too much of a good thing. I feel as though you can't like overdose on self-awareness. Can yeah. You? Well, the only reason I'm pushing back a little bit is because I have also had um, conversation with myself around having the value of growth um, and holding on to it. And it's kind of, it's been difficult for me at times because it is so vague and it's so um, intangible. Am I growing? Am I growing enough? Am I growing fast enough? Have I grown enough? There's no real, um, yeah, it's hard to... No yardstick. No yardstick. It's hard to really measure how much I'm growing and if, it's, and if I've grown enough or if I'm growing the right way or the right direction. So that's why I'm just trying to like skim it down to see if it can be more specific to help you in the chaos of like, all right, what are my values? Things are upside down. I need to anchor to my values, anchor to growth. Yeah. And it's like fuck that's still overwhelming because we're not like do you know what i mean the growth yeah. part can maybe be niched down a little bit in your head yeah um, i appreciate the feedback like it's um it's good to bounce these ideas get some um, like external validation or other points as well yeah because yeah. i've definitely beat myself up and like crushed myself when i've fallen um in the face of my values you know made a mistake and gone wow oh, you like growth's so important to you but you've you've messed up growth and it's like, well, what part of growth did I mess up here? I made a mistake or I, you know, I fell back to an old way, but like, let's get specific about it so we can address I think it. Like the main thing for me is like, I've been on the stage that I'm at for Gune now. I've been at too long. Like I'm not over Gune. I've just been at this level for too long. I'm ready to level up. Mm. So I need to start moving quicker. Love cool. that. Uh, number two is health, which is... Um, like it feels like my training's always been good. My diet's always generally been good. Like I eat healthy. Um, it's just been some certain habits in my life revolved around well, my number one, I'll just touch on my number one moving away value now is self-sabotage. That's something I definitely want to move away from. Um, I've, yeah, so I wouldn't say I'm blessed. I don't know what the right word is here, but like I've, I've felt enough of the negative consequences of my action that I know that I don't want to go down that path anymore. Like I've got to the point where I'm like, all right, this is it. Something's got to change. Yeah. Do you think that like we take, I, I almost feel as though, cause I'm, you know, we're like at that age now, late twenties, early thirties where like I'm 27 and health has changed for Damn. me. <laughs> <laughs> like health, health has literally changed for me in the last year. Like health used to be, well, for the last couple of years, I looked at health as a way to flex on what I was capable of. Now for me, the, the conversation around health is what allows me to show up in my life and be the best version of myself. Like, how do I feel alive and fresh and energetic when I'm bouncing out of bed in the morning? How do I sleep well at night? How am I focused when I'm in front of my work? You know, how, how do I make sure that I have a level of longevity covered so that I'm healthy for years to come? Like health has changed as a conversation for me. The the vanity metric has almost completely removed itself. Like, would you say that the health looks um, different to you now? Oh, definitely. I used to, well, when I was younger, I used to race, race, race. <laughs> oh, he'd be racing, baby. He'd be racing the motorbike. Motocross, <laughs> motocross prof professionally. So my training was um, like very, very high level in terms of like I used to train to be an athlete. 
And then through my early 20s, I was basically a meathead in the gym. And now the mindset that I've got is what training regime can I implement just so that my brain works better? Like I'm not, mm. I'm not driven by insecurities around how I look anymore. Not to say that I don't have any, any insecurities around that, but it's not my main driving force. Like when I was younger, like I had so much motivation to go to the gym just because I was so skinny. Mm. Now I'm not driven by my insecurities, but obviously I still have them. But for me, the goal is to just have the best functioning brain that I can be, the best entrepreneur I can be. So whether yeah. that's running, swimming, gym, whatever it might be, I'm not too fussy on the metrics or anything how it looks. Just as long as I feel good, I'm being active, I'm putting good fuel in my body. Love that. Yeah, is it serving you? Yep. Love that. Uh, number three, and this is one to get me back more of a redirection sort of value at the moment, is delayed gratification. So I like that. As a being, as I mentioned before, basically a professional athlete when I was younger in motocross, it was one of those things that used to have to put so much effort into like to getting a race win. Could be like, well, depending how long you're like been racing for, it could be like five years in the making, like potentially like training, turning up, like getting there. And then well, this, I'll just touch on this quote, well, not quote, like a speech that Israel Adesanya did after he beat Alex Pereira. He's like, I just wish that everyone behind the mic, everyone watching this behind the screen, they can be as happy as I am at this one moment, but you have to take that opportunity in life. Like, you have to go for it. Mm-hmm. And I was like, thinking about that, and I was like, damn, took me back to like my racing days, and I was like, there's no replacement for that happiness when you've put in years and years of work to get that like tiny bit of satisfaction. There's like nothing that replaces that. And mm. I've been blessed that I felt that when I was younger, and now I know that like that's what kind of gives me purpose is delaying the gratification for a bigger goal because when you get it, it just feels so much better than we live in a world full of constant distractions, social media, fast food delivery, all that kind of stuff. If you're feeling down, you can pick yourself up straight away. But I feel as though if you're constantly taking the easy way out, those easy compromises, that's when it starts to slip down the slope and then eventually after enough of those decisions, you start making bad decisions. Yeah, I love that. I think that's a that value right there is definitely not one that come to the front of mind for me and actually probably wasn't even in my realm of thought at all but I love the point and I think you know delayed gratification and you know even like delayed gratification from a dopamine and chemical biochemical standpoint seems to be a really important focus that maybe we should all have some attention to over the years to come because like you said I feel like society has completely shifted into a space where almost everything is immediate now or has a a level of immediacy in our our focus and attention and and so yeah I, I love that I think that's a great point so how does that how does that look um to like live out delayed gratification as a so value is it like internally like the small compromises that I make say well as an example I couldn't be bothered to cook you know get Uber Eats it's like yeah, a small okay. compromise that I know I shouldn't have made I know that I shouldn't have done it, which doesn't sound like much in the moment, but I feel as though those, when you make a promise to yourself and you don't keep it, if you do that cycle enough times, it's only a matter of time to start making bigger decisions that um, lead to bigger consequences. I think that's kind of like the start of the slippery slope. Yeah, okay. I like that. Like it's hard to quantify, but I think you know, I think <laughs> somewhat, in, you and you really know when you make a wrong decision, even when you make it. Mm. you can do enough mm. mental gymnastics in the moment to go oh no it's all right it's cold it's raining or something like you can make any excuse up in the, at the time but i think you intuitively know when you make the wrong decision oh hell yeah you do <laughs> so, 
You can just lie to yourself and make it sound good. Yeah, we get real we get real creative with justifying things to ourselves. Put some mayonnaise on it and it all goes away. <laughs> I might have to remember that one when I reach for the cookie jar tonight. <laughs> you know you yeah, know how justify drink a red wine? Because I'm like, the antioxidants, surely there's uh, some benefits. <laughs> exactly. LeBron James drinks red wine. Yeah, He's a saw, wine connoisseur. I saw him drink red wine yeah. as I'm at the bottom of the bottle. Yeah. <laughs> like, Damn, my antioxidant levels will be through the roof. Yeah. Can't wait to tell the doctor. <laughs> that's my old dark chocolate wine. Dude, that's me. I have dark chocolate and the red wine <laughs> and I'm using the same justification. Double, double. Yeah. I put salt, extra salt on my potato because I'm like, oh, you know, I need to stop cramping. I've been running last week. So I need to make sure my salt levels are... I like it. I like it. Number four for me is connection. So for me, this doesn't have to be family. This is just general human connection. Yeah. I think we touched on this before the pod, but the older I get, the more uh, emphasis I have on quantity. Uh, the other way, quality over quantity. <laughs> <laughs> so I think for me, spending time with the people that align with my values more so, or in, even if we don't have the exact same values, encourage me to be a better person surrounding myself with people that yeah that makes my my job easier to be the best version of me and vice versa if i feel as though i can add value to people in my circles of life and it's like a win-win mm, i even, like it even exchange of value then the last one for me which is something i need to start doing more of because it does bring me a lot of fulfillment but i don't actually actively do it enough and it's just service in general so i don't actually mm. know how that actually looks for me i need to sit down and think about it a little bit more but uh yeah it's like when you read Jay Shetty's book, he talks about it's like the highest form of satisfaction. Yeah, and he speaks about service in both ways in that book. Um, and, and just to make sure you mean think like a monk. So I'm not getting the books right. Is that the one you mean? And I know in the book he says that like the monks in the, do they call it the ashram where they live? Um, is like the first half of the day is spent in service of self. So meditation, exercise. Um, mindfulness you know all of those things that fill their cup and the last half of the day red wine dark chocolate cookies the last half of the day is spent in service of others so you know helping out in the community helping build homes or huts for people who are living in the ashram you know giving back and and i think it's important because i know when i think about service sometimes i can neglect the first part like service of self and and make sure that i'm filling my cup too and i heard a great quote on this just before that I've been waiting to drop somewhere with someone. Mike Tyson. I think I spoke to you about it this morning, Ferns. I heard on a podcast the other day. You've got to do it in his voice, otherwise it doesn't count. <laughs> yeah. I'll, do, I'll do both versions. So he said, um, a friend of everybody is an enemy to themselves. Yeah. And I think that speaks on that service part and just to fulfill my end of the bargain. A friend of everybody is, is an enemy of yourself. <laughs> Not bad. Not bad. Not bad. Not great though. Not great. <laughs> Hot boxing with Brad Spinal. Driver. <laughs> um, yeah, no, I think the the what you said about Jay Shetty and Think Like a Monk and the order of service, mm. I think is pretty important too. Um, does yeah. he make note of that? That the first part of the day is service to self. I think that's just specific for monks yeah. when they live in yeah. the monk world or the ashram. But do we do we agree with that though? Like, imagine, like if the order was flipped, does it have the same effect? If you go out into the world to serve other people... And then the remnants of energy that you've got, you use to serve yourself, which feels like you're... I think this is just like when the, the planes crash and put your own oxygen mask on first. Yeah. I don't think if you don't, yeah. if you don't service yourself first, I don't think you can service other people to the capacity that 
you could if you put yourself first. Yeah. Well, I guess I'd, I'd touch on it in this way because I thought about this question yesterday, actually, when I thought about the bigger picture of purpose, selflessness versus selfishness, where those two parts take place. I thought, well, there is a level of selfishness in service of others for me because I get so much back from it, like you said, Foons, and I feel great about it. However, I don't feel as though I could actually rock up and presently serve had I have not been for my run, mm. spent time with my people and done the things that were good for me. I think maybe it doesn't have to be looked at so specifically that the first half of the day is for you and the last half for others, but I think... If you look at life, it needs to be almost a 50-50 split. Yeah, you've got to get that self-service in. Put yourself first, generally, and then mm. you're going to be able to service people to the best of your ability. Definitely. Yeah. Definitely. And then, well, that was my last value. So I had three moving away values. The first one was self-sabotage. So obviously, less self-sabotage. Emotional avoidance. So I think we touched on it before, like bringing the unconscious to the conscious. Like when you shine mm. a light on the dark, you're not going to like what you see. And when I put the spotlight on, I'm like, ah, Fuck, here we go. <laughs> Turn it off. <laughs> There's just sometimes where I'm like, fuck, I just don't want to deal with this. But I think it just it doesn't go anywhere. Like I've done it enough times to know that it doesn't go anywhere. And if anything, it gets worse when you leave it. Mm-hmm. Like it doesn't get any better. It gets worse. So I think for me, just having to overcome those problems, but even the small wins I've had so far to get where I am, the problem <clears throat> with mental problems, I can only speak for myself here, but I never like once you conquer them, they're never as scary as you think. Like, can speak for myself there. Like, once you actually get over the other side, you're like, why was that on my like? Why was I stressing over that so much? Like, when you get over the other side, it's like yeah. almost puts in another perspective. But like, when it's still at the forefront of your mind as a problem, it's like almost seems like a mountain that you can't climb. Sometimes, then when you climb the mountain, you're like, bruh, yeah, <laughs> that was nothing. It's it's like that saying they say. Um, you've never been dealt a challenge that you weren't capable of overcoming because you're still here. The stuff that you've, you've had to deal with, you've overcome. And if you haven't overcome it yet, well, you're still here. It hasn't beat you. Yeah. Mm. So, you know. It's that undeniable proof, right? Yeah, you're still in the fight of life. And that confidence that you gain by overcoming certain demons or traumas or, or grievances... Like you said, Ty, you build the confidence be like, wow, that wasn't as big and scary as I thought. Maybe I can do another one. Maybe I can address another thing. And yeah, you're still fighting. So good on you, man. And then the last one is just valuing my words. So basically you say, if you're not going to eat a cookie, you don't eat the cookie. Like it doesn't seem like much in the moment, but I feel as though when those compile or like those um, compound, like eventually your, your word turn, like you can't even value your own word. So if, I think in, to me anyway... Like, if I say what I'm going to do, that's 90% of the battle, I think. Mm. I love that. Yeah, Yeah. well said, brother. Awesome. So can you just rattle them off off from the top? Number one, growth. So just growth in general. Um, But as I said, I think I do want to probably put some metrics around this and think a little bit more because it is such an umbrella term that, like, how how can I measure that I'm growing? There's plenty of ways that I can actually measure that, which I will sit down, put some more thought towards. Two is health, so basically putting good fuel in my body, exercising regularly, I want the best functioning brain that I can have to be the best entrepreneur. Delayed gratification, so basically taking the hard path, not taking the the easy way out. Um, In a world we live of constant distractions, I think that's forever getting harder and harder. Mm. Not to like preach like it's hard living in the first world, 
but it is getting harder to resist um, resist temptations anyway. You get like how good social media is, food delivery, like phone, Netflix, all that kind of stuff. You're constantly bombarded with it. But I think I can create, I can develop mental strength by delaying that gratification. Like I've done it before when I was younger, and I know like it served me well then, so I know it will serve me well again. My dad. Very much, well, I've got to give him credit for this because we never got along seeing eye to eye on it, but it always pushed me very hard to take the hard path. And I'm grateful for that now. Mm. I would never, yeah, always push me to take the hard path, so I'm very grateful for that. Uh, connection, so quali- quality. Quality. <laughs> quality over quantity. And then service. So service to self and service to others. I cool. love that. It's a really solid five, brother. Awesome, nice man. work. Appreciate you sharing. Awesome. Would you like to take it from here? Sure. Just thinking then I should have um, done them like a basketball team. My top five. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and Small forward, point guard. <laughs> All right. So I've done a little bit of, um, a little bit of, I guess, value work, if that's the term, um, in the past. So this was good to rehash and, and refresh. And I'm even just going to write something down here. Um, which I've been meaning to lean towards as a value. Um, so it was really good to, to rehash these because um, they have changed. And I guess that's a good thing to acknowledge that um, these values that we try to anchor to um, can be subject to change and that as we grow and we, and we learn and all the rest of it, that things um, gain value and lose value to us. Um, yeah, but don't think it as a tattoo. Just think of it like a season of clothes that you're trying on. Yeah, exactly. Mm. Like yeah, like you were saying, a season. So, um, I've got a pretty extensive list, and I'll, I'll admit, when I first did this exercise, you know, it's a blank page, write down your core values. I thought, where do I even start? Mm. So I went onto Google, and I was like, values exercise. Chat and it GPT, ba- write me. My <laughs> I mean, you could do Chat GPT now, but. Yeah, it basically had an alphabet of values and I went through a list and went, yeah, I like the sounds of that. Yep, I like the sounds of that. That resonates with me. I couldn't really care less about that. And I devised this list and then I narrowed it down and then I narrowed it down again. Um, And so on this page, I have probably about 10 to 15 um, values, but we'll we'll only talk about um, the key five and maybe some honourable mentions. Um, And I guess... We'll start, and they're in no particular order um, right now because I feel like sometimes I uh, shift in and out of which ones are my most, um, which are, are my highest priorities. So I have here um, health and fitness. I, I sh- actually, I say health and wellness. Health and wellness, um, personal development and self-discovery, honesty, relationships, and integrity. And the one that I just wrote down that I just thought of, um, which I've been thinking about it for a long time, and I don't know why it didn't come up when I was doing the exercise, but is accountability. So the, the, those two last ones I said, integrity and accountability, are new additions to my core values list, which around two and a half years ago when I first did this, they didn't, um, yeah, they weren't a part of the list. But they're super important to me now. Um, Asking for a friend, how do you define integrity? And that's what I was going to ask you guys. Because the exercise I did, the exercise I did was, I go, all right, 
here's what I think integrity is. And I'll read out my definition because I wrote it down. And then I got the actual definition. I'll push you under the bus after this. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So does anyone want to have a crack at what integrity means to them? I'll, I'll lead from the front because I've never thought too much about this topic. But for me, integrity feels as though to have a level of integrity is to lead with your values, to, to be grounded by your values, to show up in the world that way and to, and to be doing things in good faith. That, for me, is integrity. Well, ladies and gentlemen, we will find out <laughs> shortly after we hear Ty's answer. Uh, I think probably the same thing, living in accordance with, I'd probably say, ethics and morals more so than values. Well, ladies like, and gentlemen, these are some interesting answers. <laughs> <laughs> um, I've never thought about this, so this is a good... Like, I've always had my own definition of, in, in, definition of integrity, but I guess I'll be interested to see what Google says. Yeah, well... I'll read my definition as well. So integrity for me was... was assisted by Google? No, this is before Google. Um, so integrity, the ability of an individual to live in their values with a high moral compass in spite of convenience, in spite of inconvenience or hardship, and in spite of acknowledgement. So that's what I yeah, saw. Yeah, okay. You got to mention ethics, but anyway, it's pretty <laughs> Yeah, good. I was going to say, we both got an honourable mention there, Finn, so it feels like a 50-50 there. Yeah, so I saw it as like showing up... Um, being anchored to your principles and your values in spite of when it's easy, in spite of if it's difficult or uncomfortable and in spite of if anyone sees you doing it. You're a man that lives with integrity. This is how you show up to your core. The actual definitions are integrity, the quality of being honest and having strong moral principles and also the state of being whole and undivided. So I like all of our answers, to be honest with you. Yeah. Um, and I don't think we're too far from the mark. It, yeah. The idea of, you know, being whole, being honest, having strong moral principles. Um, I think that's ultimately where we're all getting to. But that's made my core values list. And I'm in the middle, well, not in the middle at all. How do you measure integrity in terms of like, how do you know when you're being integrant, if that's a word? Integral. Um, yeah, good question. Um, and this is... Again, like I said, a new addition to my list. So it's something that I'm trying to feel through and live by. Um, but it's almost like you said, you know when you're doing the wrong thing. But equally, you know when you're doing the right thing. Mm. And even if you didn't get the acknowledgement or even if you didn't get um, the acceptance or maybe people didn't understand why you were doing something. When you get quiet and when you get still, can you acknowledge that you were moving with integrity and in good faith i like how you said that like you know whether you were or not and that's to me is i guess the metric checking in with myself um and as of my birthday april 14th um i decided to do a 365 day challenge and that to me looks like at least 10 minutes of headspace a day headspace being just sitting eyes closed um and seeing what comes up mm. you know just a meditation practice ultimately and that's where integrity came to me when i was sitting in in one of these headspace um sessions i guess for myself i said yeah you know i do i do want to add that to my values list i want to be known as a man that lived with integrity but yeah so that's in there I reckon you, that could like transcend or trump honesty because then you can't really be integrant without being honest i think so 
I think so. It almost feels like it isn't encompassing of a lot of these values. So it's almost like if you're living out your other four or five values, you you're living with integrity. Yeah. You know, it's like... Um, I kind of... I seem to feel like, you know, I've just been thinking about it then, the definition of it and, and how we said it feels like very intuitive. Like, you know, you get that feeling whether you're leading with integrity, living with integrity... And it brings me back to what I mentioned when we opened the show, like that little piece that I wrote and read. I almost feel like you can't, when things are going right, everything just feels good and you almost don't question it. Mm. But I think the ultimate sign or the ultimate test of integrity is when the world is just crumbling around you and when things aren't going to plan. Like I almost feel as though that's how a lot of these values are tested. I love that because even if you think of it from like an engineering perspective, the integrity of a building is how mm. solid its foundations are. Its ability to withstand earthquake or or flood or easy to stand up on a nice sunny day. Exactly until yeah. until shit starts to pop off, your integrity might not be tested. So that's why in my definition I added in there, um, you know, living in a high, with high mor- with a high moral compass in spite of acknowledgement. Yeah. So stress like, that to anything like an NRL team like if your star player goes down the first 20 minutes like it's easy to win when everyone's playing good mm. how do you show up when stuff doesn't go to plan exactly yeah 100%. or in the first five minutes of a boxing match when you get punched in the head like how do you show up then when it's like shit I wasn't expecting this exactly yeah so so that makes my list and I guess it is quite intuitive on how I'll show up in the world with integrity um, but we can look at health and wellness that to me um comes quite naturally i grew up playing high level competitive sport as well so it was kind of ingrained in me early the um the value of moving your body being fit being healthy um nutrition was drilled into us in these sporting teams that i was in and really i i I kind of didn't take into account that not everyone had this guess outlook or or education around health and wellness and I could see it translate to playing good hockey, for example. So I, I was representative, state representative in field hockey. So I could see if I if I trained hard, if I got good sleep, if I had good nutrition, I played well. So the link between health and wellness and good performance and being happy was pretty obvious to me. And it, and it carries true now. Um, obviously, we run regularly. I do jujitsu. And um, yeah, health and wellness and fitness is like, a large priority of mine because it to me i honestly think it's the gatekeeper to how i can show up in the world and live out the rest of my values because when i'm not healthy when i'm underslept when i'm um you know not feeling the best whether it's a hangover or whatever everything's just harder everything Mm. even the smallest of decisions is more difficult if i'm not living healthily and that's why i don't take for granted my health at all um and yeah rarely do i do things that i think will jeopardize my health um you know growing up as a teenager as we do you know binge drinking partying um and the rest that to me just has zero appeal now Mm. because i value my health so much it's like i'm a couple of beer kind of guy like maybe a glass of wine like i don't yeah i just don't i just don't want to jeopardize it to be honest with you I almost yeah. feel as though this point of health and wellness too serves and, and has a really important place in our lives because I, I've heard Joe Rogan speak about this, right? As a guy who 
whether you like Joe or don't, whether you know Joe or, or know what's happening in his life, um, Joe Rogan, that is. Some of you may be aware that Joe Rogan signed a $100 million deal with Spotify for his podcast, right? And, you know, he's not only got his podcast, he's a, he's a comedian, he tours for that. He commentates for the UFC. I'm sure there's other projects as a business that he's owned. I'm not sure whether he still owns in on it. So there's a lot of things going on in Joe Rogan's life that are providing him with quite a comfortable income, right? And his podcast seems to be quite um, relaxed now in the sense that he's rocking up and having conversations with people he's genuinely interested to speak to. And I'm sure there's plenty of prep and understanding and growth and learning that comes with being able to have those conversations. However, Joe was explaining on one of his podcasts that a life that could be quite comfortable comfortable for him now, the thing that he can control to, to add difficulty to his life is how he challenges himself from a health and wellness perspective. Like the, the discipline that buys him the freedom to then enjoy those other things. And, and I think when life is going really well, sometimes we slip so far into comfort that it robs us of the, the growth of resilience, of the development of character. And I feel like health and fitness is a really good way of consistently challenging ourselves, keeping ourselves accountable and maintaining a level and sense of discipline. If you don't choose your struggles, they'll choose you. Yeah, mm. bang on. I love that. I don't know if I thought of that or I've read it somewhere. <laughs> Take it. <laughs> tagline. It. Remember what we said from now on, if you think of something profound, you tagline it. It's yours. <laughs> Equals MC squared. <laughs> Joe Plum. Um, so yeah, so we talk about health and fitness, health and wellness, um, personal development, development and self-discovery, um, big values of mine. And as I go down this list, they all seem very selfish. They are quite like Joe oriented. Um, so yeah, so personal development and self-discovery similar to thought, uh, sorry, ties. Um, <laughs> did we, <laughs> I just need a second. Hey, I, I, need a second. I copped it for Zoe a couple of weeks ago. <laughs> thighs is ration. Thighs. <laughs> uh, sorry. Okay. <laughs> so similar to Ty with growth, um, personal development and self-discovery, I feel like I can niche down um, because it is quite vague. But being in spaces where I question myself, where I have conscious, engaging conversation, um, putting myself in spaces to learn about myself, whether it's through retreats, whether it's through meditations, whether it's through um, physical endeavors with jujitsu competitions or, or whatever it might be. I'm always looking back to see what gem I can take from it. Um, and that is because I value my personal development um, a lot. And through the things that I do, what can I discover about myself? So that's where I tend to find myself doing, um, you know, unorthodox things. That's how I found myself doing the marathon with you on Not Much Prep, Brad. That's how I found myself um, doing 10-day silent retreats. That's how I found myself doing these things because I'm like, what can I learn about myself here? Um, so, yeah, I just get a huge kick um, and I value highly my personal development and self-discovery. Um, so, yeah, so that's that one. I have here um, honesty. We can talk about honesty. So honesty for me is one that I've discussed on the podcast before, especially around identity crisis and the person that I had been in my past as a younger man, not wanting to, to be like that. And one of the first decisions I made is, is I'm going to be an honest man. 
I'm going to be an honest, principled man. I remember I used to, like, that's what I'd tell myself. And so honesty became a tricky one for me because it, it almost became this game of, like, how honest can I be? And there's a, there's a difference between being honest because it's the right thing to do and also being honest for honest sake hmm. um, because it does... Almost showing off to yourself. Yeah, it's like, oh, well, at least I was honest. Because you can justify bad behavior but still be honest about like, it. Mindfully honest. Yeah, mindfully honest is, is a good way to put it. But you can, you know, you can still um, be a little bit... Um, like I said, you, you can still mask like bad behaviors with honesty. You're like, well, at least I was honest about it. Or I'm, I'm trying to think of um, where honesty where honesty can be like this, um, a game where it's like it, it doesn't actually serve anyone to be honest here. It, it might actually hurt someone. It might actually, yeah. you know, do I look fat in this dress? Like, you don't have to say, I think you look fat in that dress. <laughs> and that was just a random example. I've never used that. But it's, you know, well, I'm an honest person. I'll tell you honestly what I think all the time, straight off, off, off my head. Is that a, a white lie then? And that's where it becomes this wrestle because it's like, at look, what point is it dishonest? You look thick. <laughs> yeah. So I'll, I'll share something in a good funny way. here. Please do. Um, it just made me think when you said a white lie. So I went to a Christian school growing up and I can't remember whether it was my dad or my nan who came up with this concept of well, sometimes you got to tell a Christian fib. <laughs> a Christian fib. <laughs> you know, like if I'd done something at school and it was like, well, how am I getting out of this? I'll just tell a Christian fib. Yeah. Um, I'll but, repent afterwards. <laughs> but, it, but it made me think just then when you spoke about that honesty, I was, I was trying to think of the words to describe it. It's almost as though honesty... Um, Honesty needs to be the policy, but sometimes regard for regard for collateral damage is important to understand as well. Definitely. Yeah. That's the caveat, I believe, to honesty is that it needs to be mindful. So I like how you, you worded that, Ty. Mindful honesty, because um, honesty can be painful and honesty can be um, confronting and honesty can be damaging if it's not delivered in a certain way, if it's not... Um, packaged in love do you know like being honest just for honest sake is like you can just run around being the honest guy and hurting people's feelings or yeah um and and the ego of being like well i'm the honest guy you know mm. what you're going to get I from mean, like me a good example of that if you say you're a sport coach giving like critical feedback on someone's performance that wasn't their best mm. you're not going to come in and say that was a shit performance exactly right say, yeah i think we need to work on these areas or something along those lines in terms of a better delivery but Radical honesty would be that was a shit performance. Yeah, you both addressed it there. I think delivery is probably the maybe that's what I was looking for when I was thinking about it. Then, like, honesty can exist with correct delivery. Mm. And I think, and this is where it gets quite nuanced for me is with honesty. A portion of that comes timing as well, mm. because there's one thing to be honest, but how soon were you honest mm. and how much time has passed between now, like between then and now. And so for me, I've had some instances in my personal experience where people have been honest with me, but it's been after the fact, after what I considered a, a lot of time had amassed. And it's like, are you now being honest just to clear your conscience? Or are you 
um, or were you unable to be honest because it was inconvenient? Mm. And so for me, honesty needs to be addressed, I guess, like integrity, not just when it's comfortable, not just when it's easy to be honest, but probably more so when it is uncomfortable. But you gain trust by being honest in the face of uncomfortability and you gain trust by being honest um, when it's not convenient. So that's why. Trust in self and others as well. Yeah. Mm. And I think even, you know, that was quite personal the way I was talking about honesty, but even professionally, you know, if I'm putting forward a quote to a client, being honest with, with the amount of money that I'm charging them, being honest and transparent and... Pretty boy tax. <laughs> and it's just like, you know, things like this, like being honest, not trying to mask things and um, being honest with yourself, not kind of cutting corners. And yeah, honesty is this thing, again, it's quite intuitive. You know if you're being honest with yourself or not. You, it's hard to lay, it, lay your head down at night um, if you've done or been dishonest and tell yourself that you're honest. And sorry, that sorry, I haven't paid that invoice. I have no <laughs> money. <laughs> yeah. Um, so that for me is honesty is, is a, a really like key value of mine. And it feels so good. And not not to say that I'm like I don't mess up, but it's um it feels so good not to have any secrets or to be hiding or to be like have a um you know uh some like to be living dishonestly. It feel it feels so good not to to have that. Um and especially moving into relationship, that was something that I wanted to really anchor myself to as a partner, is that I'm an honest partner. Um, and it feels really nice being an honest partner. But it also is the most difficult because when people you care about, it's easy to be honest to people you don't care about. But if expressing true honesty to someone that you love, family, partner, siblings, whoever it might be, and you know that that truth, your honest truth might be uncomfortable for them, um, you start to play the games of like, oh, maybe you oh, maybe I won't bring that up. I'll just, you know, I'll just like, I don't want to rock the boat or, and I've had to catch myself and go, hey, Joe, it's going to be uncomfortable and it's not very convenient, but you're an honest man. So let's be honest with how you're feeling. That's, that's been a big one for me. How, this is how I'm feeling and I'm standing by it. Honestly, this affects me. Honestly, this needs to change. Mm. So that type of honesty as well is, um, I think so valuable, but also very difficult. I think important to mention too that people think in a relationship and the environment of a relationship that honesty is only a conversation when something's gone wrong or you've done something wrong. I think, and I, and I know this is what you mean, but honesty is a place of like, honestly, this, like when you do this at this time, it makes me feel this way. Or like, honestly, like, I really struggle waking up at that time or going to bed at that time. It, mm. it, it takes away from me. Like it's, it's draining my energy or it's having a negative effect on me. It's just little conversations consistently throughout a relationship. But I know what you mean when you love someone so much and you care for someone, that honesty, sometimes you have to really consciously think about that delivery. And, and yeah, yeah it's, it's a tough environment. It, it's a tough environment, but we're, we're, everyone's so scared of being honest. But then we welcome it. We want yeah. people to be honest with us. Don't sure. lie to me. But then the question is, well, how do we act when people are honest with us? Yeah. Do we get triggered? Do we shut down? Do we play these games of, you know, shutting them out? So then it doesn't actually support honesty. 
So the game of honesty to me, and game in inverted like commas, is a very important one. Whereas like I want to show up as an honest person, but I also need to work and create an environment for people to be honest with me. And then you have this beautiful freedom of like, hey, I need to tell you this because I love you, but honestly, blah, 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 blah. Yeah. And then also be able to receive that. So honesty is, is a big one up there for me. And I have here relationships. And so it's quite interesting. So I've got, this is my fifth um, core value. And I toyed between two, right? Because part of me felt like I should say family. You know, how can I, how can family not be in my top five core values? Um, and my family, I've got a, a like a, a quite a large extended family. My mom's one of 11. So I have, I have a huge family. Um, and so family to me has always been this like this large mass of people spreading all around Australia and overseas, cousins, aunties, second cousins, etc. And so to say um, I value family felt like I should, but what I've landed on is relationships because through some experiences last year in particular, um, there's been, my family has gone through quite a lot and I learned a few things about, um, I guess myself and family through these experiences is that family can't always be who you want them to be or who you expect them to be. And so to me, what I value most is relationships. And that can be the relationship with my sisters, the relationship with my mum, the relationship with my younger brother, the relationship with you guys. It's almost this, you know, you can't choose your family, but you can choose your friends. The choices I make in the relationships that I look to nurture is so important to me. And that's why it found itself I guess high as a core value for me, relationships. Um, even through doing this podcast, like we've spoken about my mum a few times on it. It's allowed me to explore a, a new relationship with my mum as a, as a young man going through these um, issues and then my mum listening to the podcast and deliberating. Like now I value the individual relationship I have with my mum differently and I value the relationships I have with each of my sisters individually and separately. So that to me feels like, um, yeah, core for me as opposed to going, you know, I value family, this, this network of blood relatives that all gather twice a year or three times a year. Very similar. I had that connection with you. I think it's pretty much the same thing as relationships. I think so. Um, mm. I don't need my connection with humans is more important than my connection with direct family. Yeah. Definitely. And so for that, um, the way that that looks like for me is um, morning walks, morning runs, um, you know, checking in with my mum. I've got this thing with small talk where I'm, I'm like really, I really struggle with small talk on the phone. I'm kind of like, all right, like what's the point of this call? Let's, let's like get to the crux of it and then we can yeah. move on. But in person, I'll talk your ear off. So there's like sometimes even now checking in with my mum, just, just a call out of the blue for no reason. As opposed to be like, hey, mum, I need this or, you know, or hey, mum, X, Y, and Z. So like logical. So that is, a, um, I guess, a demonstration of like 
valuing these relationships more and nurturing them and watering the seeds of these relationships mm. checking in with people um, talking to people actually asking them how they're going showing genuine interest um, so that's how i try to show up with that as a core value of mine and then um, the one that i wrote down accountability um, that to me strikes true to the poem that you um read at the the front of the episode brad was if you don't like something in your life change it I believe, like, yeah. I'm paraphrasing, but it was along those lines. If you don't like something in your life, change it. That, to me, is accountability at its core. Um, no blame or judgment, but just um, acceptance and progression. Understanding that everything's in your control. And then if you give that control away, um, you're showing a lack of accountability. You know, we can be the master of the lives and we can create what we want. We just need to be accountable for the decisions we make and the, and the um, spaces that we find ourselves in. Extreme ownership. Extreme ownership. A, a book on stoicism at the moment. Pretty much to summarize it, it's like basically focus on what you can control and then don't stress about stuff you can't control. Exactly. Like have accountability for the stuff that you can control. Mm. Yeah, I love that. I think that's a big, I think that's a big learning curve for me over the past couple of months is i've put so much stress and energy into the uncontrollable areas of my life and a lot of them particularly around my career where when things aren't going to plan i stress about what i cannot control or have absolutely no input into it's you know for me the last the focus over the last couple of weeks has been that like what's in my control every day focus on that put my energy into that hold myself accountable to that and everything outside of it will just be what it will be. Yeah. And we've like, you know, I've seen you be accountable time and time again. And for most people's standards, do everything in your power to put yourself in the right space for, you know, the podcast to explode and for your life to skyrocket into everywhere you want it to be. And if it feels like it's just not happening, it feels like you can get to a point where you go, well, what else can I do? Like, yeah. like what, what more can I do? Almost like, why me? But why yeah, me? Victim but, mentality. But man. then it is. It's like, are you doing absolutely everything in your power or in order for this thing to... too many Christian fibs? Yeah. <laughs> yes, correct. But do you know what I mean? It's like, am I doing absolutely everything in my power? If you can honestly say yes, then I guess it's like, the world's out to get you. Because yeah. it would have happened. If you're doing absolutely everything and it hasn't happened, the world's out to get you. But I don't think any of us can honestly say we're doing absolutely everything in our power. And until we have the, the um, conviction to say, I've done absolutely everything. I've turned over every stone. I've knocked on every door. I've, um, I've read every book. I've exercised every muscle. Then mm. there's more to be done. And so just have faith and keep getting creative with what needs to be done. Because something's got to give eventually. And I truly believe that. And like we've spoken about it um, and in the face of that adversity, it's like just keep digging, man, and keep trying new things and keep keep moving in the direction aligned with these values because something's got to give and I think you can still be doing more and that's not in a discouraging way of like no, you're being sure. lazy or complacent. It's like oh, I could be doing way more. Foons could be doing more. We can. We can. It's so funny. Let's get out and do it. Like. That's my attitude. I had a proper journal session thought, shared some thoughts on social about this yesterday. I, I find myself consistently, and I know we've spoken about him a few times on this particular segment of the pod, um, Rich Davini, retired Navy SEAL, author of The Attributes. 
um, friend of the podcast, Rich said to me in one of the most profound things in four seconds, this clip was, I remember four seconds, he said to me, Brad, when it comes to our goals, we have to be resolute with the outcome, but flexible with the approach. And I think what you're saying there is about understanding how important flexibility of the approach is, because I think I've been so rigid in my expectations or how I've seen my life playing out that I've told myself I've done everything I could mm. do at stages and been frustrated by the expectations I held. So it's like removing expectation, understanding that, you know, that Chris Williamson quote, you either win or give up. Like, I'm not giving up. Mm. It's not game over. I'm not dead. I'm here. I'm in it. I'm on the journey and it doesn't have to work out the way that I pictured it working out. And so keep turning over stones because there are many, many stones to be unturned. And I don't think we ever turn them all over. You know, we just move in a direction and, and we allow it to guide us and we pivot and we, we play on. And sometimes we backtrack and we go back to a stone and go, did I check that correctly? Mm. Did I turn it over fully? Maybe mm. I didn't. I'll come back and readdress that stone and then I'll move forward again. So it, yeah, definitely there's, there's always more to be done. Yeah. No, I like that analogy. Like sometimes it's the timing of when you flip the stone over, you know, <laughs> like, yeah. Yeah. And if you don't have that attitude, then it, everything seems helpless and hopeless. For sure. Like I've done everything and now I'm just at the whim of the universe and everyone else. And if things aren't going right, then it's just, this is just the way it is. No, excuse my language, but like, screw that. Like, mm. no, just keep trying keep showing up and i honestly think that like the universe is going to conspire for you and the amount of good energy and accountability you've put out brad like you're gonna get slingshot into something where you're like holy shit it it's was happening. all worth it like yeah or like it's happening hold on like yeah. and you'll forget the the adversity because you you'll understand how necessary it was and i preach this as much to myself in my career as i do to you brad and as i do to you foons like we just got to keep keep hustling, really. 100%. And Did you guys have inspired me. Like like we spoke on the other podcast where, where you guys were giving me the inspiration, kick kick me into gear and help me pull the trigger. Polite. Foot up the ass. Yeah. That's it. Polite, politely. I know that can be done politely ever. But yeah, the, even the energy I'm speaking with now <laughs> is off the back of the momentum that you guys have created for me and allowing me to... to yeah, I wrote... Um, on my Instagram I did that visual poem that I published and mm. yeah and it come up great yeah thanks man but it's yeah we're in it we're in it that's for sure um, accountability yeah just before we move on I'll ask this question to you first Joey but also ask you Brad at the end of yours what's if there was one value that you want to move away from what would it be one value I would want to move away from I don't know if, if I'd identify it as like a value that I live by. Value or action. Yeah, so like. action. I feel like um, just top of mind without thinking too hard about it would be maybe complacency. Like that, that playing small card that you guys have spoken about. Like stop just resting on my laurels and being comfy and complacent and being kind of like, oh, you know, I didn't really do meet my, you know, my financial goals for this year. I didn't really get the... Um, do the projects I wanted to but it's all good like life's good cruising let's like let's get rid of that thank you so much for tuning into part one of our two-part conversation if you know us three men well you'll know that we are men of many words and these conversations often lead often don't run on time 
And so we're going to split this episode into two parts. So you'll catch the back end of the conversation in the next episode later on in this week. So thank you so much for tuning in to part one. Look ahead to part two in the coming days time. Thank you so much for tuning in to another episode of A Lot To Talk About. It means the world that you guys are in my corner, that you continue to listen to the show every week. And if you could do me a massive favor by following the podcast on whichever platform you listen to it and sharing this episode in particular with just one friend that you feel would benefit from it, that would mean the world to me and it would help the show grow. The more the show grows, the bigger the guests we get on, the more that we can do and the more we can share and support you guys, the listeners, the viewers of the show. Before I go, I want to pay my respects and recognize the traditional custodians of the land on which we meet and record this podcast. The Aboriginal culture has such a rich history in storytelling. And as a passionate storyteller, I really hope that the stories we share and connect with on the show can allow the many cultures that now call this beautiful land Australia their home to come together and continue to respect the stories and the culture that make this the land it is today. Thank you so much for tuning into A Lot To Talk About. I'll catch you next week.